Hello friends, and welcome to Grits in the Gospel on this first Sunday of Lent. Thank you for joining today in worship as we work toward Easter. I hope that this week and these times and days will be full of reflection on the day of Easter that is to come, but also on sitting with the suffering and the time in the wilderness that Jesus spent. We are going through at my church um, a Lenten study called Lent in Plain Sight, a devotion through 10 objects. It's by Jill Dufield or Duffield, D-U-F-F-I-E-L-D. This week's object is bread. And so you will hear that theme throughout today's service. As always, I hope that you have a church home where you can go and commune with those who are um, looking for that bread of life as well. But I am so thankful that you are here with me today on this first Sunday of Lent. Let us come together in a posture of worship. The Lord be with you and also with you. Today's psalm is Psalm 25, verses 1 through 10. Hear now the words of the psalmist. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are not wantonly treacherous. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us join now in the Apostles' Creed. Friends, what do we believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray together. 
Dear Lord, we come to you this first Sunday of Lent, humbled, on our knees, remembering the dust and looking to the bread, remembering the things that need to die and looking for the thing that will sustain us. Be with us as we come together and worship, open our hearts and our minds to the word of your Son, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and the time of self-reflection that we have during Lent. Here now as we pray the words that your Son taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today's gospel lesson is in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Hear now the words of the gospel according to Mark about Jesus going into the wilderness. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved with you. I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are not many things in life that scare me. Snakes are not my favorite. Needles are not my friend. But there's one thing that really does scare me. I have never had any luck with it. It is my nemesis. And its name is yeast. There is baking, and then there is making things with yeast. Proofing, rising, punching it down, letting it rise again. And all because of a small organism that comes out of a packet. I have failed more at baking than anything else in my life. I am friends with some great bakers. They don't have issues with yeast. And I hate to admit it, but I also cannot make a buttermilk biscuit to save my life. I feel like I have a pearl taken off my good southern girl necklace every time I try and fail to make a biscuit. The Gospel of Mark is most likely the oldest of the synoptic Gospels. 
And his version of the temptation of Christ, while poignant, doesn't give us much detail of what happens in the wilderness that the Holy Spirit drove him out into. And while I think Mark is a beautiful and succinct gospel and clearly the inspiration for the others, I appreciate the level of detail that uh, in Matthew and Luke. In both of those gospels, Satan uses bread to tempt Jesus. I can almost hear the devil taunting me when I try to make bread with yeast or when I'm trying to avoid gluten. As hard as that is and as tempting as bread is, imagine being hungry for 40 days and having the ability to do exactly what Satan was telling you to do. He could be the bread of life, create the sustenance to go on, make food for the hungry, but Jesus did the hard thing. Matthew 4, 4 gives us the most detail. He answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The quote is an interesting one. Matthew likes to connect Jesus back to the Old Testament so he can show that Jesus fulfilled the scripture. This quote that Jesus says to Satan is from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. The entire passage gets my attention when I read it in light of the temptation of Christ. So let's back up to Deuteronomy 8. It says this, The entire commandment that I command you today you must diligently observe so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The clothes on your back did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that, as a parent disciplines a child, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Therefore, keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into good lands, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and from those hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. 
gosh, I love the literary devices these writers were inspired to use. The bread imagery from Deuteronomy is the perfect way for Satan and Jesus to interact. The Jewish people who were using the Gospels in the early church to teach and convert people to the idea of following Jesus would have known this passage well. The whole idea of live and increase takes on a new meaning with the life of Jesus. Still today, it's how we look at our faith and the work of the church, live a faithful life, and increase the kingdom. Forty years for the Israelites and forty days for Jesus in the wilderness, being tested and relying on God for everything. The image of a parent and child in the Deuteronomy text is lived out as a father and son of the Holy Trinity. And the idea of going from the wilderness to a land full of everything you need, that sounds a lot like going from earth to our heavenly home. We will need for nothing. We will eat our fill and bless the Lord our God. That sounds like heaven to me. All of these parallels were drawn for the early Christians to bolster their faith and strengthen them in a time of persecution. For me, it reminds me so much of my writing process for a sermon. Last week, I was drawn to the idea of ironing and doing laundry on the week that we started the laundry ministry. It didn't even dawn on me the parallel. Karen Karen mentioned it after the service, but... Even then, I didn't see it. It wasn't until after lunch when Carolyn said something that the gravity and the divine inspiration really hit me. I wonder if Matthew and Mark ever felt that same thing. They know they are writing what God inspired them to write, but then did it hit them just how beautiful and far-reaching the actual message was. The nuances and the parallels are too powerful for their words to be anything but from God. This week in our devotion time, we'll be reading about bread in many forms. We'll be looking at how it, how it is the basic sustenance of life in so many ways. I think it is fitting and a little ironic that our first week of Lent will be occupied by something that a lot of us give up during this season. I don't eat a lot of bread anymore. However, I spent part of Thanksgiving in a beautiful time of Sabbath. I let myself splurge a lot. One of the biggest indulgences was the restaurant's warm bread. Not only did they have warm bread, but they gave me a ramekin of soft butter with just the right amount of flaky salt sprinkled on top. The bread seemed almost sinful. The temptation was to eat the entire loaf. There's nothing better than tearing us off a piece of warm bread and spreading soft butter on it. The already softened butter melts just a little before you have time to eat it. That bread was just too alluring to turn down. I can almost taste it now. 
Now, look, this kind of temptation is very different from the one that Jesus had in the wilderness. I was not hungry. (laughs) I had not been without food for more than a few hours, not days. The enjoyment of the thing that is not good for me was the temptation. For Jesus, it was a temptation to come out of fasting and communing with God and give sustenance to his life. It puts the temptation of Jesus and the wilderness in a whole other level. But if we look at it through the lens of these Old Testament scriptures and the words of Jesus that overtook the words of Satan, I think we can have a new and better appreciation of all the things that sustain our lives, not just make them more enjoyable. Every word that comes from the mouth of God is our bread of life. I love the way that Matthew and Mark both sum up the temptation story. God sees the struggle and the loneliness in the wilderness. For the people of Israel, he sent manna. For Jesus, he sends the angels to wait on him. I know it was really nothing like this, but I can't help but picture the angels pampering Jesus and giving him a spa day at the end of a hard 40 days. But really, it is a reward for being brave and standing up to Satan and for modeling for the rest of us how to do hard things. He sent those angels again on Easter morning to tell the good news of the risen Lord, the bread of life. My dear friend Christy makes the best buttermilk biscuits. Her husband likes to take credit for the recipe, but it is hers. She has tried her best to teach me how to make them. It's all about the feel of the dough, Katie, she lovingly says. And while hers are tall and beautiful and fluffy, mine are hardtack every time. I gave up on yeast. My dough never rose in any attempt at pizza dough. So I go see my friend Tina at her pizza place. And the smell of sourdough makes my heart flutter. But I'm certainly not that brave. So I go to the DeKalb Farmer's Market every once in a while and get a half of a loaf. I don't keep much bread at the house, so I will let the angels at the restaurant wait on me and bring me warm bread and soft butter. When I'm home, I will stick to unrolling a can of crescent dough or making want biscuits, and I'll keep making cheese muffins and cornbread. That's about the best I can do. The bread of life and the word of God. That is where the real nourishment comes from. The nourishment that reminded the early Christians of who exactly Jesus was as the fulfillment of scripture. The Jesus that still today shows us that same fulfillment when we are spiritually hungry. The Jesus that we are called to share like a loaf of bread with the world to help fill that hunger that people are looking to be free from. This Lent season, maybe we can find new ways to break bread and share the word of God together.
In the name of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Amen. As you go throughout your week, look for the ways that God shows you the bread of life. How does he help your hunger? In what ways does he nourish your soul? Share that with others as we go throughout this Lenten season. Because in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.